Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. And welcome to the Wheaton Precious Metals 2021 First Quarter Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Or type your question in the Q&A box of the webinar. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded on Friday, May 7th, 2021 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I will now turn the conference over to Mr. Patrick Druin, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for participating in today's call. I'm joined today by Randy Smallwood, Wheaton Precious Metals President and Chief Executive Officer, Gary Brown, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Haytham Holay, Senior Vice President, Corporate Development. Please note, for those not currently on the webcast, the slide presentation accompanying this conference call is available in PDF format on the events page of the Wheaton Precious Metals website. I'd like to bring to your attention that some of the commentary in today's call may contain forward-looking statements. There can be no assurances that forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. Slide 2 of this presentation and our financial results contain important cautionary notes regarding forward-looking statements, and I would direct everyone to review those notes in connection with the presentation as well as the risk factors set out in Wheaton's annual information form management's discussion and analysis for the year ended December 31st, 2020, and in Wheaton's Form 40F. It should be noted that all figures referred to on today's call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise noted. In addition, reference to Wheaton or Wheaton Precious Metals on this call include Wheaton Precious Metals Corp. and or its wholly owned subsidiaries as applicable. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Randy Smallwood, our President and Chief Executive Officer. Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today to discuss Wheaton's first quarter results of 2021. I do hope everyone has been keeping healthy and safe since our last quarterly conference call. I am pleased to announce that in the first quarter of 2021, Wheaton's high-quality portfolio of assets generated record-breaking revenue of over $320 million and operating cash flow of over $230 million. Given Wheaton's innovative dividend policy, this strong cash flow has resulted in a 40% increase to the quarterly dividend relative to Q1 of 2020, marking the third quarterly dividend increase in a row. In addition, we continued to execute on our growth strategy, closing the previously announced stream on the Cozumel mine located in Mexico and announcing a new stream on the Santo Domingo project located in Chile. Both assets are owned by Capstone, a company we are very pleased to repartner with as they grow these exceptional assets. Haytham will provide more details on our corporate development activities later in this call. Our organic growth profile continues to advance, with HUD Bay announcing that they are on track to achieve production from the Papacancha deposit in, or at the Constantia mine in the second quarter. Two of our development projects transitioned into operating mines in the first quarter, with Wheaton receiving silver from Alexco's Kino Hill and cobalt from Valais of Voises Bay. Lastly, our confidence in our ability to deliver continued long-term organic growth from our portfolio led us to introduce 10-year production guidance for the first time, in addition to our usual one- and five-year forecasts. I will provide more details on our growth profile later in this call, but I would first like to turn the call over to Gary Brown, our Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, who will provide more details on our results. Gary? Thank you, Randy, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. The company's precious metal interests produced 190,400 gold equivalent ounces in the first quarter of 2021, 
comprised of 77,700 ounces of gold, 6.8 million ounces of silver, 5,800 ounces of palladium, and 1.2 million pounds of cobalt, with Q1 representing the first period that the company had reportable cobalt production from the Boise's Bay Stream. The cobalt production in the first quarter of 2021 includes some material produced at the Boise's Bay mine from prior periods, as the company is entitled to any cobalt processed as of January 1, 2021. Relative to the first quarter of the prior year, this represented a decrease of 2% on a gold equivalent basis, with lower production at Salobo being attributable to lower throughput and grade due to unplanned maintenance during the quarter, being partially offset by the first reported production relative to cobalt. On a gold equivalent basis, sales volumes were virtually unchanged as the decrease in production was offset by a 4,200 gold equivalent ounce decrease in ounces produced but not delivered, or PBND, in Q1 2021. As at March 31, 2021, ounces in PBND amounted to approximately 136,000 gold equivalent payable ounces, representing approximately 2.3 months of payable production. This amount of PBND is consistent with the average PBND balance of approximately 140,000 gold equivalent ounces over the preceding four quarters. Revenue for the first quarter of 2021 amounted to $324 million, representing a 27% increase relative to Q1 2020 due to the increase in the average realized gold equivalent price. Of this revenue, 41% was attributable to gold sales, 54% silver, 4% palladium, and 1% cobalt. Driven by the increase in commodity prices, gross margin for the first quarter of 2021 increased 42% to $175 million. Cash-based G&A expenses amounted to $11 million in the first quarter of 2021, representing a decrease of $1 million from Q1 2020 primarily due to lower accrued costs associated with the performance share units, or PSUs. The company continues to estimate that non-stock-based G&A expenses, which exclude expenses relating to the value of stock options and PSUs, will amount to $42 to $45 million for 2021. During the first quarter of 2021, the company fully repaid its outstanding debt under its revolving facility, with interest costs during Q1 amounting to only $200,000, resulting in an effective interest rate on outstanding debt of 1.17%, as compared to $6 million of interest costs at an effective interest rate of 3.03% incurred in Q1 2020. Net earnings amounted to $162 million in the first quarter of 2021, a 71% increase compared to $95 million in Q1 2020. Basic adjusted earnings per share increased 54% to $0.36 compared to $0.23 in the prior year. Operating cash flow for the first quarter of 2021 amounted to $232 million, or $0.52 per share, compared to $178 million, or $0.40 per share, in the prior year, representing a 30% increase on a per-share basis. Based on the company's dividend policy, the company's board has declared a dividend of $0.14 a share, payable to shareholders of record on May 21, 2021, a 40% increase from the comparable quarter of 2020, an 8% increase from the prior quarter, and the third consecutive quarterly increase highlighting the participation that the company's unique dividend policy provides to increasing commodity prices. Under the dividend reinvestment plan, the board has elected to offer shareholders the option of having their dividends reinvested in newly issued common shares of the company at a 1% discount to market. During the first quarter of 2021, the company repaid the $195 million which had been outstanding on the revolving facility, invested $150 million relative to the Cozman stream, and $4 million relative to the Brewery Creek royalty, with these cash outflows being partially offset by proceeds from the sale of First Majestic shares, generating proceeds of $112 million and $5 million from the exercise of stock options. Overall, net cash decreased by $2 million in Q1 2021, resulting in cash and cash equivalents at March 31st of $191 million 
and no outstanding debt. That concludes the financial summary, and with that, I will hand the call over to Haytham for an update on corporate development. Thank you, Gary, and thank you all for joining us today. I'm sure by now you've all had a chance to go through the economics on our, our newest stream on Capstone's Santa Domingo IOCG project located in Chile. And hopefully you're as excited as we are on this one. As you can see from the attached slide, we've entered into a gold stream on a polymetallic asset, and that's exactly when streaming works best, as you're taking precious metals out of a company that's getting a base metal valuation and getting a re-rating within Wheaton, which we're also able to share with our partner in our acquisition price, and that ensures a win-win scenario. Uh, it's a life of mine stream on 100% of the gold, dropping to two-thirds of the gold after a certain threshold ounce number has been delivered, with an 18% production payment that increases to 22% once the upfront deposit is reduced to zero. The total stream deposit is $290 million, $30 million of which was paid on April 21st, with the remainder to be paid during construction. It's a fully permitted project, and assuming everything keeps moving forward at the planned pace, could be contributing as early as 2024. We also see significant upside with potential for increased throughput and a cobalt circuit, which would actually increase our overall gold reserves down the road. This project is a long life asset with low operating costs falling in the first class quartile that will continue to contribute to the high quality of our existing streaming portfolio. In addition, I'd like to give you a bit of an overview on uh, our streaming opportunity landscape. Um, needless to say, we've been quite busy. Lots of new precious metal streaming opportunities to look at, with the majority falling, I would say, into the 100 to $300 million range. Primarily development stage opportunities that fit into our early deposit structure, uh, where we're taking precious metals as a byproduct from a base metal mine. And as I said just a little while earlier, this type of opportunity is where streaming works the best. To a lesser extent, there's a few opportunities that are focused on funding expansions. Not much these days in the way of balance sheet repair, but, but strong commodity prices tend to fix that for, for a lot of companies. The fact that streaming is considered for all of these areas further highlights the competitive cost of capital and flexibility the streams can provide relative to other financing options. There have also been some royalty packages in the past, and we do take the time to look at these packages, but none have made sense from a Whedon perspective, in large part because of their size or because they come with a significant amount of non-precious metals revenues, and we are continuing to focus on precious metals streams. I would also note that the valuation for these royalty packages are are often ridiculous as junior up-and-coming royalty and streaming companies tend to overpay regardless of quality just to build scale in an effort to get the higher valuations. Thankfully, we can continue to focus on high-quality streaming assets. All in all, we're very optimistic that we can continue to deploy our cash flows to accretively add quality streams in the current environment. Thank you, everyone, and over to you, Randy. Thank you, Haytham. We are pleased to reiterate our 2021 and long-term production guidance previously announced in February. For 2021, Wheaton's estimated attributable production is on track to produce between 370 to 400,000 ounces of gold, 22.5 to 24 million ounces of silver, and 40 to 45,000 gold equivalent ounces of other metals, being cobalt and palladium, amounting to total gold equivalent production of approximately 720 to 780,000 ounces. As our strong development pipeline continues to deliver organic growth, I would like to highlight a few assets to watch for as we look toward the rest of 2021. As I mentioned at the beginning of the call, in April, HUD Bay achieved a significant milestone as they completed the final land user agreement for the Papa Concha deposit at Constancia. HUD Bay has commenced development activities in the open pit and the first production is expected in the second quarter of 2021. At Salobo, Vale has reported that physical completion of the Salobo 3 expansion was at 73% at the end of the first quarter and remains on track for startup in the first half of 2022. And lastly, we closed our previously announced stream on Eris Gold's Marmato mine last month and advanced the initial upfront payment of $34 million for 6.5% of the gold and 100% of the silver produced at, from the mine. We expect to record our first production from Marmato with our second quarter results, which will include a catch-up from the effective date of the, of the stream back in July 1st of 2020. In summary, Wheaton recorded a strong first quarter distinguished by several key highlights. We achieved record revenue and declared a record quarterly dividend, which was the third consecutive dividend increase in a row. 
Our commitment to accretive growth was emphasized by the announcement of a new stream on the Santo Domingo project located in Chile, where we are pleased to once again be working with our partner Capstone. While our portfolio continues to remain heavily weighted to precious metals, Wheaton received an inaugural cobalt production from, the, from Vale's Boise's Bay Mine, which we consider to be one of the most sustainable sources of cobalt in the world. Wheaton has always strived to be a sustainability leader, and we were honored to be recognized by external rating agencies for our performance in this area with sector-leading scores. We look forward to updating the market on our journey in our second annual sustainability report, which will be published later this month. And lastly, we believe our portfolio continues to deliver ample opportunity for organic growth, the benefits of which we expect to see from assets such as Constancia, Kino Hill, and Boise's Bay here in 2021. So with that, I would like to open up the call for questions. Operator? Um, the first one comes uh, from Jackie at BMO. And she's asking if we could please uh, talk about cobalt sales uh, as they, they were below production in the quarter. Um, and perhaps we can also, uh, again, elaborate a bit more on the, the strong production we saw in cobalt as, as well. Sure. Uh, so with respect to any new stream as it comes on, there's always going to be a bit of a, a working inventory build. And typically in most of our precious metals mines, we, we guide towards two to three months worth of production from each asset depending on whether it's a Doré product or whether it's a copper concentrate. Now what happens is we do have several assets that are very vertically integrated. Uh, Sudbury is one that we've had for many, many uh, years now, where, where you know, the finished product, it goes through the smelters and it is a, a finished product that we receive. And, and it's the same now with Boise's Bay uh, Cobalt. Um, it, 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 it is not only mined at the Boise's Bay operation, but it's now it's processed through the smelter down at Long Harbor, which means that the period that it's in, in process is, is a much longer period because, it, because it's such a vertically integrated operation. So our, our guidance would be that we expect to have about four to five months worth of working inventory in process. Now, the way the contract was structured with, with Valet is that anything that was in working progress as of January 1st uh, is to the credit of Wheaton. And so we, uh, we stepped into this contract with uh, acquiring not only the, uh, the actual production from Q1, but also the working inventory that was in the system. And being wintertime, it was likely a, a bit of a, a, a higher inventory than normal just because of shipping, uh, shipping um, um, in winter through, uh, through that area. And so... So all in all, it means a much higher uh, working inventory at the, uh, at the site itself, and that's what we've reported is the high production. Now sales, of course, um, you know, as, as we took over ownership of this stuff in inventory, we had to fill up the sales end of it and, and, and start, you know, we have our own warehouses and our own sales agency, and so, so we had to, uh, you know, our first sales didn't happen until the, near the end of that first quarter, and that's why sales are so much lower than the overall inventory. But, but you know, with respect to Boise's Bay, we will continually build up or continually have probably about four to five months worth of production as sort of a working inventory in process. All right, so we're gonna we're just gonna go with this format. Uh, Michael Jalanin um, has reached out and asked us uh, for the thoughts on uh, Barrick's uh, successful drilling so far at Lama, including the Penelope Pit, and whether or not you had thoughts as to whether we are, are entitled to that material as well. Yes, we, uh, we get 25% of whatever silver is produced from any of that area in the Pasqua and the Lama side of the border. And so, you know, we, we recognize that as expiration potential. We did the original transaction, um, uh, but we, we never really felt that we were going to see production from that. The Pasqua Lama deposit, you know, is definitely a core focus area. But, but with uh, Penelope and, and other regions around Lama um, having capacity to deliver upside value, it, uh, it, it further reinforces why we wanted to keep this stream. Uh, even though we had the option to collapse the stream and get our money back from Barrick, we chose to keep it. Uh, this is an asset that, that we are confident will uh, eventually deliver uh, metal to us, and uh, in one form or another, it sounds like it will be coming. Um, another question coming in, Randy. As far as the discussions on uh, Papa Concha with HUD Bay, if we can provide any additional color on on that as far as the penalty payments that uh, were to be due coming at the end of the second quarter? Well, look, uh, you know, Wheaton has long prided itself on being a partner uh, 
in, in, our, in our streaming agreements. And Hud Bay is, of course, a very important partner for us, from, uh, from 777 all the way through to Constantia and uh, ultimately to Rosemont. And, uh, and so we will work with them. I mean, we, we, we do have to preserve the reason we have these, uh, these um, measures in place, these penalty payment uh, mechanisms in place, is to protect our own shareholders and the value that, you know, that we've, we've delivered. But we will work with uh, HUD Bay. We're in discussions with them to find a way to, that, that will deliver good, solid value to not only our, you know, preserve the value that we have, but also uh, work and provide some support to HUD Bay. And so that's a, that's a discussion that's in process. Uh, I'm just going to, sorry, ask one more time. Is the operator on the line currently? Okay, I appreciate the emails coming in. We'll stick with the, the questions as they are coming in, and I appreciate, uh, unless you you rolling with us on this uh, technical uh, issue we're having. Um, the next I am question here, we sir. Have, uh, okay, can we start queuing up the questions? I do see that there's okay. uh, a number of people in the queue. Okay. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will now conduct the Q&A portion of the call. I think and we your, can skip your that. First We've question. already started. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I think Tyler is uh, waiting your first for question. Your first question is from Tyler Langston. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, uh, good morning, everybody. Th thanks for taking my question. Um, yeah, I guess, thanks, Tyler. Uh, thanks for your patience. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no problem. Um, yeah, just with Isolobo, I think, Randy, maybe last quarter you had talked about that you were hopeful that they might um, be close, that Valley might be close to making a decision on whether they would um, stockpile the low grade or maybe sometime in the first half of this year. Just kind of any, any updates or, uh, or thoughts there? Yeah, and this relates to the mining plan for the phase three. As the phase three comes in, what 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 portion of the ore will they stockpile versus feeding through the mill? What you know, what grade profile do they choose to move forward with? Uh, it is an active discussion. Uh, we've we've uh, we've been in talks with them. They haven't made any final decisions yet, and so uh, you know we're we're continuing to work with Valet to to see which direction it's it's it, it should go. Um, you know, it's quite clear that. That in the copper industry worldwide, in large-scale open pits, uh, there's a lot of economic sense, and especially in today's price environment, there's a lot of economic sense in uh, in, in moving some of the higher-grade products forward and and stockpiling low-grade materials. It it uh, it makes strong sense in every corporation uh, copper operation in the world, and uh, and so we're hopeful that Valet does choose that path or can choose to continue on that path. That's that's what they're doing right now with the first two phases. Uh, again, we're just waiting for a, a final decision out of that group. Okay, no, that, that's helpful. And then just uh, one more additional question on slow. But I guess I think in the release you mentioned that production was just impacted by lower throughput. I guess there are some changes in the maintenance routines. I mean, should this largely be behind them going forward? Just you know, how to think about that. You know, it's uh, it, it it was really uh, you know they they basically had to go through a bit of a safety reset on the maintenance side um, because of a couple of incidents that they had in the fourth quarter of last year, uh, and something that that we strongly strongly support. Um, you know, uh, net zero harm is is always an objective that we want all of our partners to to strive for, and it is exactly what Valet is striving for. And so, you know, they had to go through a bit of a reset in the maintenance side, and what. The, where, where this had an impact really was uh, equipment availability during the first quarter. Um, they're definitely better than they were at the start of the, uh, you know, uh, you know, they definitely have improved, but there is still some some progress to be made. Again, it has to be done safely, and uh, and we're in full support of that. But uh, there may still be some residual impacts into the second quarter. Um, you know the, the the advantage of you know the the opportunity here is to, in terms of making sure again that 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 you know, all the operations are run with net zero harm. Perfect. Uh, that's it for me. Thanks so much. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Ralph Profetti from 8 Capital. 
Morning, Ralph. Hi. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking uh, my my questions. Um, Randy and, and maybe Haytham, when when I look across the the wheated stream portfolio, um, you know the vast majority of term exposure is life of mine, and and however I'm seeing more and more transactions happening in the market with these buyback options on the part of the operator, and I'm just wondering, would you say that that's a characteristic that you're seeing in some of the some of the corporate development uh, activities that you're looking at? Um, are you open to those types of deals? And, and I guess my my second question is. You know, would you carry a higher investment threshold? Um, you know, when you look at those types of deals, given the potentially lower optionality. Uh, hey, Tim, I'll let you answer that one. Sure, you bet. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the uh, question, Ralph. And just to answer your question, yeah, there, we are seeing a lot more buybacks, at least by our competitors. You know, buy, buybacks are are appropriate for certain size companies, for junior companies that are building and have a strong potential for an acquisition opportunity where they are going to be acquired. You know, we see that as pretty important to them. What you've seen in our transactions in the past is we've offered buybacks in the event of a change of control. But in that in that uh, buyback, we do tend to get some pretty reasonable returns. Uh, if we're looking at, uh, you know, buybacks without a change of control, we really are quite opposed to that unless we're getting a return that's, you know, well, well above our typical returns for these streaming opportunities. And, you know, our typical return, I believe, is somewhere around, 17%, so we'd be looking for something between 25 and 30 if we were going to do something to that effect. But again, we're, we're opposed to that. We're really pushing on these life-of-mine contracts with buybacks for these junior companies and these early deposit structures only in the event of change of control, Ralph. Fair enough. Good point. Yeah. And and then uh, if I can just maybe have a follow-up, um, you know, Rosemont, Hud Bay is talking about Sort of alleviating some of the some of the permitting on on uh, federal lands by going sort of with a smaller footprint on non-federal lands. Just wondering if you have sort of any early, any early indications of what that could mean, and and if the footprint and the scale of the project changes, how does that impact the 230 million dollar contingent payment? Was that based on a certain output and throughput? Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one, um, Ralph. Um, the um, you know first off, the, it, it will have uh, an impact. It's, it's not so much the uh, actual operation itself, the deposit itself. So mining will will still be along the lines. Where it has an impact is is where do you uh, store your country rock or your waste rock disposals, and where do you stockpile your uh, your uh, tailings? Um, and 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 that's that's going to have an extra cost to it if you're limited in terms of that. And so you always you always hate if an operation is going to go forward. Uh, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer we should always try and make these things as efficient as we can. Uh, and costs like that, all they do is drive up the impact of these operations and, and you're only getting the same benefit. And so, so it just makes sense from all perspectives, from any, any sustainability perspective, anything along those lines, to make sure that we do this as efficiently as we can. And, and so I'm hopeful that they are successful in terms of being able to do it on, on a best designed basis, irrespective of federal lands or not. But, but so the deposit itself, you know, those extra costs will uh, will obviously have an impact in terms of cutoff grades and stuff like that, but the deposit itself has very, very high um, uh, margins, and so therefore it shouldn't be, a, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect any significant impact at all, actually. And and in fact, you know, I would say that, um, you know, uh, that, that some of the exploration success that they've had in the area will uh, will be a very, very pleasant addition uh, to, you know, from from uh, from a value perspective. We've always felt there was good, strong exploration potential there, and it just hasn't been explored because it's been in a, you know, tied up in a permitting process for such a long time. Um, nobody nobody likes, you know, the variability of, of exploration success and what kind of an impact that might have, but this is now looking uh, even, even, you know, we're starting to see evidence of that exploration potential. Um, with respect to the actual contract itself, it, we, we, we have, because it's a development contract where we're funding construction, there'll be completion tests uh, and, and certain levels of production that have to be attained, uh, standard uh, format for our, uh, our construction funding contracts. Got it. Okay. Yep. Well understood. Thanks, Randy and Ethan. Thanks, Rob. Your next question comes from the line of Jackie. Krasblocki from BMO Capital Markets. Uh, thanks very much, and, and uh, I just want to ask a follow-up to the question that, that Pat Patrick read um, already uh, on on cobalt. Sorry to go back to this, but um, can can you just give me an idea? Just because I'm trying to um, to uh, to fine-tune my model, is is the production that you reported for Q1 
cobalt from Boise State. Is that is that some something that we would expect to see sort of on a steady state run rate? Do you think that's uh, indicative of of where cobalt should be going forward? No, it's actually light for uh, a steady state run rate, mainly because we had to get our own systems in place in terms of warehousing and and build up. Uh, uh, you know, with the agency agreement that we have, build up uh, an inventory and start having our first sales. So our first sales didn't actually occur until near the end of the first quarter. Um, you know, you know, when you look at the overall production, um, and and you see, you know, I, I mean, again, the, the way we typically run these things is, I mean, we've given our guidance in terms of production on a per year basis. This is going to require about four to five months worth of working inventory. So if you just take a little bit less than half of that annual production number, that's what, that's what we'll probably wind up having in a working inventory basis from Boise's Bay. And it, it, it is going to be, you know, it, it, it is going to have some, a bit more variability than what we've had or volatility than what we've had in some of our other materials, mainly because you know, we're, these are lump sum sales. We tend to, to, to sell, uh, you know, a block of cobalt at a time. And so, you know, depending on whether it happens before quarter end or after quarter end, is going to have a bit of an impact. So we will have some volatility in terms of these sales numbers out of uh, Boise's Bay. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think that if you, if you sort of blur your eyes a bit, I would set aside about four to five months worth of uh, the share of annual production, keep that as a working inventory. And then, of course, our annual production should be about... Uh, our, our, sorry, our quarter of production should be about a quarter of, of our estimated annual numbers. Yeah, Jackie, maybe I'll uh, just add some additional color there. Uh, you know, the this was the first quarter that we were entitled to uh, uh, cobalt from Boise's Bay, and, uh, and we're entitled to anything that had been processed but not uh, sold um, that was, uh, you know, um, sitting in inventory uh, as at January 1st, uh, uh, 2021. So, you know, uh, there's probably, uh, you know, four plus months of, uh, of production that had been, uh, that was sitting in, uh, in inventory at January 1st. So, you know, uh, our, our production run rate uh, that, is attributable to us is uh, estimated at about 400,000 pounds a quarter. Yeah, okay, that's that's really what I was, um, that's what I had been modeling. So the, the production number that you reported surprised us, I guess, on the uh, on the positive side. So I was wondering if we were just way low on production, but that's that's really helpful, thanks. Thanks, Gary. Yep. Uh, maybe if I can just ask one other question. Um, your of course, your yeah. results, for Q1, uh, it looks like at least in my numbers and from what I can see, the consensus numbers as well, uh, was a little bit lighter than expectation on gold and a little stronger on silver. And it seemed like it kind of worked out to uh, to being kind of net-net. But um, I noticed you haven't changed your guidance. Are you expecting that ratio to sort of reverse and, and gold will just sort of strengthen going forward from here? Well, uh, you know, gold, of course, Salobo is a very important part of our gold production. Uh, Salobo, though, you know, there's a there's a bit of a safety reset that's still in process there, and uh, and and Vale is taking that very seriously as they should, and so, you know, that that's um, unlikely to be made up. Uh, you know, we you know you can't process more tons through the mill. The mill's only got a certain amount of capacity, and so so you know, with the with the lower production in the first quarter. We, you know, we'll climb back up to the regular run rate as as these these new safety measures uh, are fully embraced and uh, and everyone you know uh, and, and it returns back to normal operating rates. And so um, you know, I don't think you know we'll probably not see um, you know some of that gold production that we missed in the first quarter. But you know, fortunately, we had Penasquito step up and and deliver on the silver side uh, as an offset. And I mean, it's. Uh, Again, the benefit of how diversified our portfolio is is that uh, you know when we have one asset week uh, to have it made up elsewhere um, has done very well for us. Absolutely, that's that's it for me. Thanks very much. Thank you, Jackie. Your next question comes from Cosmos Shu from CIBC. Hi, thanks, uh, Randy, Gary, Atham, and Patrick. We made it. We uh, technological difficulties aside, <laughs> I can ask my questions now. Um, but uh, maybe my my first question is on cost. 
Um, you know, I noticed that uh, cash cost in Q1 was $6.33 per ounce for silver, higher than last quarter, uh, in part due to this other's category, which was $9.41 per ounce. Um, could you maybe talk a bit more about that? Is that is that Alexco? And, and what should we expect for the remainder of 2021? Well, uh, well, Gary, you want to uh, Yeah, I mean, the, uh, from a cash cost perspective, uh, that's uh, certainly uh, the primary driver of uh, of the increase in uh, in silver um, cash costs, uh, and it's it's just a, a mixture. Uh, you know, you've also got uh, you know streams um, like Antamina where you know, we're paying uh, a percentage of spot. So as spot prices increase, so does, uh, so does our production uh, uh, payment. So it's a combination across, you know, and, and we do also have some other contracts where we have incentives for production and, and, and higher production payments for higher production levels. And, and that would also feed into some of those contracts. And so, so um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a combination of all of the above. Gotcha. Um, and then you know, maybe a quick question here on uh, Santa Domingo. Um, you know, hopefully you're kind of monitoring the situation in Chile. I guess they're talking about uh, higher taxes. Who isn't? Um, but is this keeping you up at night, Haytham, or, you know, how should we look at it? Would you like to make a comment on, on you know, the potential impact? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll toss in a word there first, and then Hatham, you can add in if you want. But uh, you know, it's one of the reasons that we do focus on first quartile. Um, uh, you know, we we focus on assets that have uh, the capacity to to handle impacts like this and still be profitable for all the stakeholders, including governments and uh, and communities and, and and the likes. And so, you know, that is an incredibly important aspect of of our investment. To, you know, I think it's something that really. You know, we try and differentiate ourselves here at Wheaton in terms of focusing on is the bottom half of the respective cost curve. Santo Domingo is a first quartile producer. You know, that being said, uh, you know, we are seeing this around the world as 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 you as you alluded to there. You know, what government isn't trying to raise tax revenues to try and fund the the programs that they're all having to implement around the world, and so. So again, you know, this is um, this is something that we're used to seeing. I mean, the, some of the some of the increases in Chile are quite surprising in terms of the scale and the difference. And uh, you know, you, you you do get concerned that it's going to have an impact on uh, on other investments into the country versus uh, other countries, and you know, perhaps it's going to make countries like uh, like uh, you know Peru or Ecuador uh, uh, or Colombia even more attractive from that perspective. So um, you know, it's uh, it's something that. That you, that you do monitor, uh, but again, it, it really reinforces the uh, uh, the importance of having good, strong operating margins so that we can handle uh, stuff like this and still deliver positive value to all stakeholders. So, Haytham, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, no, you, you hit the nail right on the head there, Randy. I think the only thing I would say is, you know, this is, a, as Randy said, in terms of a cost quartile, first cost quartile asset, payback on this, based on the economics at the time, were less than two years. So this is a phenomenal project. It's a fully permitted copper, iron, or iron oxide, copper, gold project. Um, you know, if you look at what they're doing in terms of overall cost to reduce cost, they've entered into this agreement with uh, Puerto Abierto on the on the port. They're working on an agreement uh, uh, to replace the iron pipeline with a rail option. So there's so many different cost savings that this project is really only getting better. So it's unfortunate that, you know, everyone is trying to get their, their own extra little bit of, bit of tax, but I can tell you this project stands on its own. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, maybe one last question here. Um, you know, as we've heard from, uh, you know, silver producers, silver operators, um, it's much harder to make acquisitions on silver deposits. And as we've seen, a lot of silver producers are diversifying and acquiring gold assets. Is that the same case in terms of the royalty and streaming business? Are you finding it harder, you know, to uh, make acquisitions in silver versus gold, or is that not really the case? Well, there's definitely a bias. Uh, silver tends to be a more common byproduct from lead-zinc operations, and we haven't seen a lot of uh, investment into the zinc space of late. We still haven't seen a big kick-up. I mean, the focus on gold, or sorry, the focus on copper, the recent focus on copper, 
and uh, and even nickel to that extent tends to have more of a gold byproduct than it does the silver byproduct, and so so we are seeing more gold than we are silver. Um, it is to me one of the factors that does make silver so attractive is the fact that there's just not a lot of growth coming into the space, and and I agree, it seems to be a natural progression that uh, that all silver companies eventually become precious metals companies because they just don't they can't find enough opportunities to grow in the silver space and still stay focused in silver and uh, it kind of highlights it and so so yeah um, you know we definitely have a bias towards uh, gold in our corporate development portfolio um, you know I will highlight that in our optionality portfolio we are very heavily silver biased obviously Pasqualama um, uh, Rosemont is dominant silver production. Um, uh, Navidad is is dominant silver production, and so uh, so um, you know it's a it's a uh, you know the optionality uh, will deliver us some good strong silver growth over the uh, over the next few years as we continue to uh, you know add other opportunities that that will probably let, tend to be more gold focused. Great, uh, thanks again, Randy and team. Those are all the questions I have. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Cosmos. Your next question comes from Puneet Singh from Puneet. Industrial Alliance. Great. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, dealing with these technical challenges. Uh, you talked a little bit about it on the last conference call. It did look like you got a premium in the first quarter on the realized cobalt price. Can you give us uh, an update on the marketing side of it and how that's progressing? Uh, sure. It's, um, so, so the the cobalt from Voisey's Bay, of course, is all pro produced at Long Harbor, so it's got good, clear provenance all the way down. Um, we have uh, we, we've entered into an agency agreement, so we have a representative that markets this product. A representative uh, is is of course very familiar with the product. They've uh, they've been marketing it now for about the last five or six years, and so it is a preferred product that. Uh, that goes out to market. There's uh, there's a clientele that understands the product and, and understands what you know what it's what it's best used for. And so uh, so you know in a, in a sense we've been able to take advantage of some of the uh, some of the learnings of, of of the previous and we sort of wrap that into our own uh, portfolio now, or into our own uh, actions now. Um, you know we're. This is a bit of a uh, you know as, as this is a, a, it's a new product for us and so it's, there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for us. We are we are studying it and, and trying to find ways to even deliver more value as we can. Again, our, our belief behind the quality of the production from Boise's Bay with a with a partner like Valet and with a uh, an asset like Boise's Bay, um, you know this is this is a product that should stand out in the cobalt space as uh, as a preferred product for. For any uh, anything out there that, and especially given how important provenance is, um, you know, we're we're really uh, happy bringing this product into our portfolio. Okay, great, thank you. Your next question comes from Richard Hatch from Barongberg. Yeah. Um Morning, Randy and team. Um, th thanks so much for your um, your time. Um, just a quick one uh, look, on Pampacancha, um Can you give us any kind of sort of steer as to um, how we should or could think about those extra deliveries, um, or is it just a case that we have to kind of wait and see how the, the discussions go with with Hud Bay? I appreciate it's pretty small, but just kind of getting into the bones of it. Uh, sorry, and that, uh, I mean, Papakancha is expected to be producing by uh, here in the second quarter of this year. Uh, I, I think you might be referencing the the penalty payments. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry if it wasn't clear. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. And so, so we we did, um, um, you know, given the challenges that Hudbay was facing, especially in 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 the pandemic, and and trying to sort of work forward with the community down there, but having all the restrictions on the pandemic, we we did give them a six month waiver and extended the. Um, you know some of the deadlines in terms of uh, you know in support of, of of their challenges of trying to work their way through the pandemic and move it forward. They have finally been successful, but it is a bit bit uh, it, you know it was a bit later than expected. And uh, you know I mean I, can, I, I can't give you any more color because we're still in discussions with them, so there hasn't been any final decisions. But we uh, you know we do intend to be supportive of Hud Bay. They're a, they're a good strong partner of ours. They're, they're a partner that recognizes the, the value of streaming in terms of uh, helping them build their company and, uh, and, and what we can actually deliver as a partner with theirs. And so, 
So I, you know, I, I can't go into any other detail other than the fact that, that, that we are in discussions with them to find a way. You know, it is interesting. Um, there's, there's higher payable rates for the, for the Papakansha zone than there is for the main Constancia pit. Um, just because of the higher precious metal grades, it gets better recoveries. And, uh, and so, um, you know, that, th there's all sorts of opportunities. They've also acquired some additional land in the area. There's, there's lots of opportunities to discuss and work together. Uh, our intent, as always, is to come up with a solution that not only preserves value for our shareholders, but also delivers value to their shareholders and find a way to, to make sure that it's a win-win situation. And, you know, until we finalize those discussions, I, you know, there is no more detail to provide because we, you know, we, we just don't know what the final number is going to be. Yeah, understood. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Thank, thank you for that. And then just on... Can I just ask one follow-up? I mean, we, we talked okay. about this last quarter just on dividends. Um, you sold down your, your first Majestic shares. You've got another $112 million in the bank. Moved to net cash. Appreci completely appreciate that with the, the rising commodity price and the way the dividend policy is kind of placed, it, it, it is a natural um, rising dividend payment um, just due to the nature of the policy and the way the commodity price has moved. But you know, net cash balance sheet, where, where's your thought process on, on kind of raising that dividend and, and pushing it even higher? I mean, is it still a case that we wait to the second half of the year, see how, it, how the business development plays out and then consider it? Or is there any other sort of change of view there, or is it kind of steady as she goes? Well, it's, uh, I mean, it'll, before the end of this year, it'll still be steady as she goes. We, we have entered into a number of contracts where we're actually drip-feeding into construction as these projects go into construction, and so there will be some cash going out the door. Um, and then uh, Haytham, uh, as he described earlier on, is, is he, he and his team are incredibly busy on the corporate development front. Uh, there's a lot of base metal interest in the, in the world right now with copper prices and nickel prices doing what they're doing. There's a lot of, of interest in sort of funding and investing into growth in that space. And, you know, I would say the base metal industry has really woken up from a slumber, a long slumber, and is now really focused on how do they grow. And, and I, I, I can't highlight how, how much value a stream delivers to a base metal asset when you're looking to build or expand. The, the amount of capital that we contribute versus the share of revenue that we take away will always improve the project's internal rate of return. And we always deliver a higher value for those precious metals that we're purchasing than what they're being valued in, the, in those companies' portfolios. And so it just is, it's, it's such a, a positive and we, we, and we really saw that, uh, I think, quite strongly in Capstone's share performance once we announced the Cozumel deal back in December. Um, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the best way to do equity, you know, to provide equity financing for these projects going forward. And so, so we do see a really big uh, opportunity set right now on the corporate development front. Um, I've challenged Haytham, and so far he's doing a pretty good job of stepping up to it in terms of uh, spending the money as fast as it's coming in. But uh, we'll see. Obviously, you know, we'll build up a bit of a war chest, but we don't want anything to get too big. Um, I would expect that, you know, next year, if, if we haven't made any significant investments and if we're still well to the positive from a cash balance, then we will be giving some serious consideration to uh, to what that dividend, uh, you know, whether that whether the dividend stays at 30% of cash flow or whether it climbs to 40 or 50 or whatever, we'll we'll uh, you know we'll we'll sort of see as it goes. But our our primary objective is to continue looking for accretive acquisitions and put that money back into the ground in, in what I call the best vault of the world is ounces in the ground. And, and Richard, if I can just add to that, you know, we have uh, really seeded our organic growth profile, ignoring uh, what uh, Haytham and team uh, uh, are, are evaluating right now. So, you know, we've got, um, you know, the Rosemont uh, uh development project, uh, uh, Santa Domingo now, we've got uh, the deep zone at Marmato, um, you know, the Salobo uh, expansion. Um, and, you know, so if you, if you look at um, the payment profile associated with that, you know, we've got about $1.6 uh, billion dollars of, uh, of payments that come due when those uh, projects uh, Either get completed or uh, start uh, moving forward. So, you know, we we always uh, you know take take all that into account when uh, when making capital allocation decisions. Cool. 
very very helpful and clear. Um, thanks, Randy. Thanks, Gary. And uh, congrats on a very good course once again. Cheers. Thank you, Richard. Uh, one last question, please. Your, ne your next question comes from the line of Matthew Murphy from Barclays. Hi. Uh, I tried to withdraw it, but uh, since I'm here, um, just to, not to beat a dead horse on the cobalt, um, just checking the guidance. Um, does the guidance that you put out include the work in process material that you inherited before, uh, you know, from pre 2021? Uh, I, I will admit that we underestimated it. We expected some, but we didn't uh, think it was going to be that much. So, okay. So, so it might be definitely bias us towards, uh, uh, it looks good for uh, cobalt production this year. Okay. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks everyone for uh, dialing in and, and the, your patience in terms of some of the technical difficulties, at least on that side. Uh, it's it's kind of nice that we have multiple forms of technology here, and uh, we were able to get some questions in from 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 email. So, uh, um, you know, uh, look, I just want to. It was it's a good strong quarter. Um, uh, we we believe that we are very well positioned to continue delivering value to our shareholders. A number of different reasons: uh, low and predictable costs leverage to increasing commodity prices and, and some of the highest margins in the entire precious metal space. Um, our, our portfolio, we believe, is some of the highest quality mines in the world, uh, good long-life, low-cost assets that will deliver value for a very, very long time, reinforced as, uh, you know, with our 10-year guidance we've put out. Um, the, the, the strength of our dividend policy, uh, unique, it's linked to our cash flow, so we're going to see continued strength there, especially as we see the organic growth and commodity prices providing support to, for that. We're going to see continued strength on the dividend side. And sustainability, something that's incredibly important for us. We work with our partners on a continual basis to try and make sure that to combined, we as a, as, as a partnership deliver the best product we can for all the stakeholders, including the communities, including the governments, including everyone else that's, that, get, that gets benefits from these, uh, from these efforts. And so it's just the right thing to do. And um, so uh, with that, thank you, thank you everyone for your patience in terms of uh, working through the technical. And uh, I do look forward to speaking with all of you again soon, uh, hopefully sometime very soon face-to-face. -face. Fingers crossed. Thanks again. This concludes this conference call for today. Thank you for participating. Please disconnect your line. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.